Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodeschicago.com. All right, so today um, the reading comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Colossians chapter 1, 18 through 23. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. While you're still standing, I would love it if we just gave it up for Jesus real quick. You know, come on. Come on. Jesus! Yeah! I mean, you know, it's a Super Bowl happening, and people go crazy over a football and football teams, and they ain't saved nobody. So when I think about Jesus... It just makes me so excited. You know, the church should be the most exciting, hopeful, joyful place. So let's give it up one more time for Jesus. Yeah. All right, you can sit down. If I had a thousand tongues, I couldn't praise him enough. It would just only begin to touch his majesty and his glory and who he is. So if I ask you a question, what's the most important part of Jesus? Is it the life he lived when he was here on earth, or is it his death, burial, and resurrection? It's a trick question, by the way. So. <laughs> you know, we think of things as being in a hierarchy, and um, I would say that it's very important. They're all amazingly very important. It's also very important to remember um, where he left the story off, that he is placed in a place where no one can pull him down. He is the head of the church. It says in the verse that he has preeminence. That means he is first in everything and all things. But that's not why I love him. I just love Jesus because he's just Jesus. The lily in the valley, the bright and morning star, the bridegroom of our soul, the son of man, the son of God, the rose of Sharon, the names, the image of the invisible God, the names go on and on of who Jesus is. This wonderful mediator between us and between heaven, reconnecting our disconnected parts. Jesus is amazing. So it says in first. In Colossians 1, um, 22, that in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach 
in his sight. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. When I was a young chap, probably about 11 years old, I can remember the moment where I fell in love with Jesus. And I gave my heart to him. And I was in a church, I was in this Pentecostal church. And if anybody has ever been in a Pentecostal church, you know what Terry means. Terry. You just wait <laughs> for a long time because you know God is going to touch you. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And I'm waiting at an altar. And I have a vision of Jesus on a cross, and I fall forward. And when I wake up, everything has just become different for me. But as a kid, as an 11-year-old, I wasn't perfect, so I went to school. And I may have heard my friends cussing, so I cussed. I may have heard, you know, saw people doing stuff, so I did some other things. Then I was like, man, next Sunday I got to go right back to the altar again. And get saved all over again. And I think so many times this is the version of our lives that we are living. Which is, ah, man, it didn't work that last time. I have to really work on my holiness. I have to really work on Jesus loving me. I have to make myself more perfect so I can be more lovable. But it says here that in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So my question to you is, how does Jesus see you? Because it's way more important than the way you see yourself. It's way more important than the way the world sees you. How does Jesus see you? According to Colossians 1 and 22, he sees you holy and blameless, holding nothing against you. He sees you through a lens where you have all things that have come directly through Jesus and who he is. My Savior has removed everything that could possibly keep me from him. I always love that there's only one person on the earth who can't see what they look like doing things, and that's you. You really don't know what you look like smiling. You really don't know what you look like frowning most of the time. Everybody else does. You look in the mirror and you're like, okay, all right, got a little glimpse. On your daily basis, everyone else sees how you present yourself. And I am glad, for one, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Therefore, I can look at him and say, "How how does Jesus see me? That way you can shrug off all the titles that the world seeks to put on you. You're black. Actually, I'm not black, I'm brown. This is what you are, this is what you have, this is who you're supposed to be. But I'm holy and blameless. The holiness that the world tried so many times to work up and to muster up, Jesus presents us as holy, and this is the way he sees us. So I want to encourage you not to see yourself the way you see yourself. See yourself the way Jesus does. He's not saying that you need to add water still to make hot chocolate or there's some missing ingredient that you still need. He's saying that you are holy and blameless. 
and walking in the knowledge of that holiness is a part of us understanding what we do here in this world. What I don't want you to hear today is something, man, is something else I need to do, something else that's on my list. I want to encourage you that to look in your hands and see what you already have, that Jesus has made a provision for by his sacrifice. And as we grow in that, we'll see a loving, amazing father. So I was thinking of this as Jesus as the head of the church, and I got this picture of a needle. And um, Jesus being like the head of the needle or the eye of the needle, and the church being the stem or the point or the shaft of the needle, our whole purpose becomes to sharply point the way to who Jesus is. How do we get things into us? How do we get things into the church? It is only through Jesus. It is only through Jesus that it can come. Because if we expect the world to give us something, then we actually lose our relevance. We expect, okay, that's what the world is doing. They're really political, okay. Um, This is how I need to try to sway the body so they can vote this way or something. We're actually losing our way because all we have power, authority to stand in has come through Jesus. Many say that it's a red line or a thread or cord that runs through history that connects all things. This goes from Isaac and Abraham to David to Joshua to Ruth on down into the New Testament. It is this red thread of his blood that holds all things together and keeps us all together. What happens, though, is when we start to expect things to happen or us to receive things that don't come through Jesus, then things get kind of twisted, and they get kind of messed up, and we start to believe that as we embrace things, that they're actually what God is doing. But Jesus is so patient with us. I said, man, (laughs) so patient with us. When we take time, he's like, "Ah, I can't. The only way I can think of it, I say this sometimes, is how excited God is to see us, to be with us, is like a dog who has been waiting all day for you to get home from work. Has anybody ever seen that? You're like, the dog's like, (laughs) just like can't, can't contain themselves, can't stand still. So many times this is God just waiting on us to spend a little bit of time with him, to open up our arms in his presence. Um, and connect with him. Preeminence. Jesus has preeminence. He has gone first. He is not a boss. That's not who Jesus is. He is like the person who um, clears a path for you, who is courageous so you can be courageous, who is holy so you can be holy. You just get to jump in the wind, the draft of his wind, And look awesome. It's not me, it's Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) Whenever we do something amazing, wow, that was wonderful. It was Jesus, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. (laughs) We get to jump in that draft and follow him. I love that we are set apart, yet we have access to everything in Jesus for it. Please the Father, for in him all the fullness would dwell in Jesus. 
Everything is in him. Anybody ever been in, in God's presence in prayer? It, it feels as if you are touching something from which all things flow. And you wonder, how could the disciples walk and do the things that they did in life and endure beatings and endure jail time and endure being reviled by so many people? Is when you find that all your sustenance is in Jesus and in his headship and in his lordship over your life, what else could you want? It's better than like the Super Bowl, your birthday, Christmas, wrapped into one. Every moment, that's the life that we get to live with Jesus. We have been made holy, holy, holy. In Colossians 1, I know Brian has broke down some of the context in the past weeks. Um, is Paul is writing this letter to a church that seems to have lost its way and mixed in with the world in a way that is unhealthy. They're forgetting that what holds the world together is actually backed by Jesus. So they are experiencing hope and holiness in a Gnostic context, which means that my flesh is really bad, and hopefully in the age to come, my spirit will separate from my body and I can truly be free. And it sounds good. It sounds awesome. What I would say is inspiration without the spirit is just in. It's just popular. It is interesting. It is a fad that Jesus is the backing for everything. He is the uh, junk in the trunk for our lives. <laughs> and if you don't know what that means, ask a neighbor. Turn to your neighbors. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. But it's, it's the weight behind all these concepts. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. You think that it's just the concept where the weight comes from? You think it's just the word of holiness? You think it's just the word that brings you into this transformation in life? No, there's actually a person behind it. And this person is Jesus Christ. No matter where you go, you're having a relationship with a purpose, with a person. What is the difference between Christianity and Buddhism and um, Islam and all those? Every one of their prophets, their gods, are in the ground. They're in the ground. Muhammad is in the ground. Buddha is in the ground. There's only one who decided to shake a tomb and make it into a palace. There's only one who decided to get up and receive the stamp of eternal life and not save it for itself, not hold it up as something we had to attain, but to present it as a gift to us. Jesus has done this. And that's why I can't turn back no matter what's going on. Jesus has made us holy. Colossians is split up between doctrine and practice. So we'll understand that Jesus is the center of everything. There is only one, the most perfect spherical circle in the universe is what? Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. I was going to say it's the sun because that's what it is. The most concentric circle is the sun. 
though. Why did we think for so long that the world, that everything revolved around the world? Because we can easily believe that everything revolves around our good thoughts and our good ideas. The geocentric theory. But the heliocentric theory of everything revolving around the sun. Him holding everything together. The fullness of who he is dwells in him. The fullness of God dwells in him. That's everything. That's all. Like an everything bagel. You're like, what the heck is in this bagel, man? It got like toothpaste and all kind of stuff in it. <laughs> so Jesus says the head has made us holy. Jesus says the head has given us hope. In Colossians 1.23, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Hope is the anchor. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. Faith is like a boat. Hope is like an anchor. You are seated in hope. It is the foundation for all things. We are hope carriers. Look at somebody. Say, I'm a hope carrier. Hope carrier. It doesn't seem like you believe that. Hope carriers you are. This is where our anchor is in Jesus. So many of the Old Testament prophets were looking forward in a time where everything would be made right. There is but a glimpse of the Messiah coming. Albeit some thought that he was going to come on a white horse with an Uzi. But they did look forward to Jesus coming. Is this going to be a political, um, economical, societal savior? But no, he comes on a foal, on a baby donkey, riding in to save us from our sins. Just the most gentle way. That's why I love this picture of the needle and the thread because it, it's so small and it seems insignificant. But this is what the world, this is what our role is, to be woven into history and to help transform it. Like Abraham waiting for Isaac, 25 years of hoping, of thinking that each day would be the day when Sarah was pregnant. But you know what? It wasn't that day. But Abraham's faith was anchored in the promise that God had given him. Hope sounds so empty when it's just a catch word. I mean, I love Obama. I love hope. I love change. Any change that doesn't come through Jesus, any hope that doesn't come through Jesus will end up being empty. Because it is in the fullness, the fullness of God dwells in Jesus this red thread, this red cord, just like the one Rahab hung out of her window so that they knew that this was the house that they were supposed to pass over. Just like the, the blood that was put on a mantle so they would know exactly the angel of death was supposed to go over in the land of Egypt. I 
long time ago, about 2014, I visited this city, and um, I wasn't saved. I didn't know who Jesus was. I had been raised in the church. As I told you, I was um, saved at 11 and had my time of being away from the Lord when I was in college. And I visited this city fully unprepared for what God was going to do in my life. That it was going to be a friend who led me to the Lord in a hotel room on a magnificent mile. That was 2014, and that was the day that God is like, I'm repossessing your life. This is when he's like, I'm taking a hold of you for my purposes. Anybody ever think that your parents are not right? Anybody ever think that? I'm going to tell you something. If your parents are believers and they pray, you better give up right now. I'm going to save you a lot of time and a lot of money because those prayers will run you down. They will. Those promises, those things that your mother and your father prayed over you in a womb, that grand, if you ain't got a parent, that grandmother that's been praying for you, you might as well give up because the tank going to work. Whatever you're doing, it's not going to work. But me, hard-headed, running from it. I thought that maybe sort of like the church in Colossae that um, I could come up with a, a religion myself that was going to be better. You know, see, since I'm black, you know, um, colonialism, Christianity has been used to colonize the African continent, that Jesus has been twisted into some white supremacist lord. All these things became my mode of belief system where I could just be a universalist. I could just grab things from wherever I wanted, from African traditional religion, from Egyptology to Buddhism, to, to, so I can do what I wanted to do. I could live a life that I wanted to live. When actuality, Jesus has provided a way for me into enlightenment, to put it in those terms. He has provided a way for me to walk with him as a part of this needle and receive every gift, every gift that has come into this world that is worth having, came through Jesus. Holiness without him is just really good works and me trying to recreate the old covenant of getting a list from people of things that I should do. Without him, hope is just a catch word. It's just a fancy word that goes on a flyer that maybe when I die, I'll, I'll reach some kind of enlightenment. But actually knowing that today I can receive and walk in a hope. A hope that this city needs. I met with uh, Peter Wenzel this week. Give it up for Peter. The running machine. Homie ran 11 miles this morning. Woo, that commitment. <laughs> So we had lunch, and then after lunch, uh, I was going to work somewhere, and I had been in the Pete's Coffee Shop previously meeting with David. Give it up for David. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you want to meet with me, meet with me. It's going to be awesome, okay? Just email me, 
bam.stanton at missyodaychicago.com. What you're going to learn about me is I keep coming. I don't give up easily, so. <laughs> but so I was meeting with Peter, and uh, he recommended that I go check out this coffee shop after, you know, so I could work from there. Um, so I took him on it and took him up on it, and I went to it. It was a metal coffee bar. I think it's in West Loop or something like that. I walk into this place, and, uh, you know, for some people, the design and everything may be overwhelming. <laughs> it's like stuff everywhere. The floor is like purple and gold. I guess it's a Prince theme, but it's also black and white and, like, beautiful wallpaper and all this stuff. And I'm in there, and they have the, their uh, blend of the day is called Love Supreme, which is named after my favorite album ever by John Coltrane. If you haven't heard it, listen to it. It's about God's love. It's wonderful. And so I'm sitting in here and just soaking in this space, and I'm getting inspired. I'm a creative. I love to draw, write, that kind of stuff. I haven't really been feeling like doing it lately. I've been through a lot of transition, and we know that inspiration is the number one thing for artists. I must be inspired. But like I said before, inspiration without the spirit is just in. So here I am sitting in this space, and I start to get all these ideas flood, and with artists, inspiration and motivation go hand in hand to actually pursue these things and in my life. So later on, Peter asked me how, how did I like it. I was like, seriously? It was like life-changing. He's like, what? Really, man? That's crazy. I mean, he doesn't talk like that, but... <laughs> it was the hope of inspiration and creativity that sprung up in me based on what he pointed to. And all he was doing was just making a recommendation. Saying, hey, this is where you should go. Something sprung up in me. This is what's in your hands. Christ in you the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope as an empty catchword, holiness as an empty catchword where I need to get spiritual attainment some kind of way is empty. Jesus lives in you and he has given the world hope through who you are and who you walk as. I want you to think of this. The people in your life crying out for hope, crying out for hope, crying out for an intervention in their life to pull them from hopelessness. What if we, as believers, not knowing, we get stuck sometime on a holiness-like step. I'm not holy enough, God. I can't, I can't, I can't minister to people. I can't know. It's, I'm not holy enough yet. I can't reach out to people. I can't be this hope bringer. I can't be this hope carrier until I get my life together. I thought that was what Jesus did. That's why he said, do this in remembrance of me. When we remember his sacrifice, we are putting his body in the right order. And, and as the head, the way he sees us is holy. And therefore, we can share hope with the world.
It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is not based on our ability to stack books to the ceiling and bring this great, amazing intellectual thought, although that's amazing and wonderful. It is based on us aligning with the Savior of the world. That is where hope comes from. And in Colossians 1 and 21, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Yeah, let's give it up for reconciliation. Yeah! (laughs) Brought us together. We are holy people. Yes, we're holy. We're good. We're clean. I'm wearing all white in the spirit. You know? There's Gonna be a wedding, it's the reason that I'm living, to marry the lamb. It's like, you know, dudes get a little uncomfortable with that. Like, (laughs) being a bride of Christ is like. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing myself in a dress? (laughs) I am holy. I am hopeful. And he has healed us. Therefore, this is what role we play in the world. Jesus has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Such an amazing thing that we become the people that take this needle and this thread and sew up the wounds of the world. But what happens is we can forfeit that when we stand on one side and not see our lives as a bridge, just as Jesus was a bridge between us and the Father. We stand on one side. I can't, I can't agree with that, uh, the way you feel. I can't get in the middle of reaching someone who doesn't look like me, whoever the, that other is. Jesus has shown us the way that we bring reconciliation and disparate beca- parts become one. Reconciliation, just like inspiration, reconciliation without Jesus is just a meeting. Reconciliation without the Savior of the universe is a good idea. I need him to be intimately involved in my interactions with the world. These things sound so good and they sound so amazing that they can be co-opted by anyone and believed by anyone. But we know it's kind of like having that, that extra card in our back pocket, like, oh, hold on, let me tell you about Jesus. Come on. All right. Okay. I just hope things happen well for me. Tell me when to do it, Lord. Okay. Jesus is the ultimate trump card. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> How can that be? Christ in you, the hope of glory, that we have seen this world become healed.
His love has made a way to us so it can, through us, make a way into all the world. His love has pushed everything aside to find us no matter where we are so that we can make a way into the world. Anybody that's the oldest in the family knows what that's like. You're the first one to go to certain grades. You're the first one to do everything. You're like, man, these little siblings, they just like riding on my coattails. <laughs> they get everything easy. You know, as the trickle down goes and the youngest one is just like, oh, they're so amazing. They're wonderful. Yeah, you got all the lessons. <laughs> I had to deal with my parents messing everything up. <laughs> and you just get to come around and, and reap the benefits. <laughs> Jesus is making a way for us where there is no way and repossessing holiness and repossessing hope and repossessing healing and reconciliation. And we see ourselves as part of this intricate process that's made to bring the world into alignment with his kingdom and his purposes. And he does it by love more than anything else. I feel like some people need a little hope infusion right now. So I just want to pray for you. Assume the position, which is just this, to receive. I feel like God is just going to renew some hope in hearts right now that helps spearhead healing. And I just want to pray for you right now. I thank you, Father, for the activation of hope in hearts right now, that there's just been this overwhelming sense of hopelessness, Father. In Jesus' name, we cancel it out. We say that you are dearly beloved son and daughter of God, that we don't just have a hope, we have a hope beyond a hope that anchors our boat. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that whether it's career hope, whether it's family hope, whether it's financial hope, God, that you would just infuse that right now into us. That we are not asking to receive anything from heaven. We are activating what you have given us. And I thank you that we get to live blameless and holy in your sight, yet hopeful. And I thank you, Father. Amen. So the last slide I'm going to show you real quick is how I see us healing the world. I should go buy that domain name right now. Holy Hope Church. <laughs> the church becomes like the needle taking everything that Jesus has brought to us, that he sees in us, that he's infused in us, our holiness and our hope for a dying world. And through it, we get to see some wonderful, amazing things be healed. My charge, my admonition for you today is to find yourself in places where you shouldn't be. Find yourself standing between places that seem like they should have enmity. 
Everybody has got some people in their family that ain't talked to each other for 25 years. Why? We have in our hands the ability to infuse hope and healing in every situation we step into. Jesus, as the head, has made all gifts, all things, all fullness available to us. 